Welcome to the Pathway Podcast. My name is Carrie Neldon. My husband Mitchell and I sat down with Pathways digital media intern, Dom Hackman, for our first interview episode. Dom's workload has increased a bit due to the COVID-19 pandemic. He has helped lead the way in increasing Pathways digital footprint. Our hope is that this interview not only helps reveal a little bit of Dom's personality, but also reveals how God has worked throughout his life to bring him to this point. Here is Dom's story. It's been a crazy few weeks, to say the least. So with the Pathway Podcast, one of the goals is to reveal the stories and personalities of the people at Pathway. And your story the last few weeks is, has uh, changed quite a bit. So with all the things surrounding the pandemic, just share a little bit about how your life has changed over the last several weeks. Well, yeah, so <clears throat> when I hopped on at the beginning of the year, uh, I was just coming on as an intern just to do some of the social media and run some of the website stuff and just our socials across Facebook and Instagram and that kind of thing. And so that would have been something that I've been focused on all year. But uh, it's been something that I've done videos and stuff like that, videos and audio and pictures just for fun and it's something that I want to do more of and maybe even get into the wedding game and stuff like that but with all that has happened with churches going completely virtual it's something that like has become now more than ever a necessity and not just a luxury and so (laughs) the last few weeks have been absolutely it's been amazing and hectic all at the same time like every second of it like I've loved but I'm definitely one of those like I either go 100% or not at all and so like because of that, it leads to a lot of burnout sometimes. And so for me, it's just been go, 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 go. And I haven't really slowed down really at all. So which, which day <clears throat> did it get crazy? Um, <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, it's, I mean, I'm a college student, so all the days without class, like I don't even know what day it is. But like, so I don't, I don't even know exactly what specific day it was, but we jumped on like um, team lead staff meeting all together and we're just kind of breaking down what it meant for pathway going forward and whether we're going to have Sunday services or if we were allowed to even do it um, at the time I don't think there are any like there President Trump had just come out with the recommendation that we only have 10 or less people and so it was like that day that we were meeting and talking about you know can we come back April 5th can we do this or that and since then it's just snowballed <laughs> and so it's you know every single piece uh, that you see is, you know, typically comes through me and the team that I work with, but from Sunday sermons to small group material to just random posts and stuff like that, trying to stay engaged with our community and our church through this time because, you know, it's one thing like the internet, especially even in my lifetime, has catapulted into this thing that it's a, an entire, it's almost like another neighborhood or another, uh, another country even. <laughs> like it's just another community of people and it's an opportunity for us to leverage getting to um, just continue to build relationships with people and share the gospel with people, but also hopefully even reach new people that we haven't even met before. So So I'm going to play a little game. I'm going to go down the list of Pathway Ministries, and you tell me yes or no that you have spent over an hour working on something for that ministry within the last two weeks. You ready? Pathway Kids. Yes. Fuse. Yes. 
Thrive. Yes. Small groups. Yes. Worship. Yes. Sermons. Yes. What else do we do? Well, you get the point. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you, you win the game. <laughs> uh, Larry, Larry Fincher made the comment. He said, you know, without Dom, we would be, without you, we'd be dead in the water. And we're doing a bunch of things that were luxuries before, but now they've become necessities because without digital presence, we can't even have a presence. And we're so thankful that we have this opportunity and all the work that you've put in. But let's go back to the way you were brought up. Your story is, is, uh, is not a typical story. It's not like you uh, had a, an experience growing up that everyone's had. So just share a little bit about what it was like for you growing up. Right, yeah, so I was adopted when I was four months old. Uh, I'm Vietnamese, and so my parents are uh, a little bit older, and so they're in their 60s now, and I'm 22. And so I have one older sibling. Uh, she was also adopted. Uh, her adoption is open, but mine is closed, which means that I have no access or relationship with my birth family at all. Um, and so I kind of grew up um, normal-ish, I guess you could say. I grew up Catholic, and so I grew up just playing Little League and going to church and hanging out with friends in the neighborhood and that kind of thing. But I was um, sexually abused when I was four. We had a family friend who we had met, they had met them on the way to adopt me in Vietnam, and they'd become really close friends with them. They lived pretty close to us. And when I was four, I was sexually abused by their biological son. Um, they had two adopted daughters, but one biological son who um, the only other guy that we like they had other than the boy that they had so when we had what to go visit them I'd always want to hang out with him he was about a freshman sophomore in high school at the time and so that was really traumatic for me at the time and um, so so much so that like I repressed the memory is something that like I didn't remember until I was eight um, four years later and I started having like nightmares and visions and then there's this one day after school I was doing homework and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And it was one of those moments that it wasn't, it was, it was no longer like a dream. I had known that it had happened. And from that moment on, just spiraled into all sorts of, you know, you could go down the laundry list kind of like you did <laughs> earlier of different issues and things that I had going on. Um, whether it was just from, we uh, whether it was just from depression or um, just outlashes of anger, but, um, we stopped going to church, at least like it became an option for me, not a necessity. Um, and looking back at that time period, that was definitely something that um, I did look back on and wish that it could have been different uh, in some senses. But in some senses, I absolutely know that without that hardship, without that struggle and season, I wouldn't have ended up at Arkansas because I, I went to a high school, all guys high school, six years um, there because it was seven through 12. And I did that at Subiaco Academy in Subiaco, Arkansas. And at the time, I didn't know that Arkansas was a state. <laughs> um, I was in out of Why therapy. Not? Why did you know that? I don't know. I, I mean, I, so I'm from Texas in Houston. So it's like... It's a bordering state. <laughs> sure. But when you grow up in Texas, you know... It's its own country. Art, right. I'm, I'm under the impression <clears throat> that the University of Texas views the University of Arkansas as their biggest rival. 
Am I wrong? That's how we were brought up. <laughs> <laughs> Very wrong. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but so yeah, I when my parents, I was at a therapy boarding school at the time in South Carolina, and my parents said that hey, we think that you need more structure. We want you to go to this all-guys school in Arkansas. And I think my literal response was, where is that or what? (laughs) And they're like, it's a bordering state. I was like, in which direction? (laughs) (laughs) I know Louisiana is to our right, but what else is there? (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, you know, after my time in high school, as a Catholic uh, Benedictine, high school there's a monastery attached to it actually but <clears throat> after that I decided that I wanted to come to Arkansas 40 20 of my 40 graduating seniors came here and um, then I kind of came up and had a good friend that I had met my freshman year bring me to Thrive and the rest of it is kind of a, a wrap. Was <laughs> Thrive for those of you don't, that don't know Thrive is Pathways College Ministry Carrie and I met through Thrive. Um, many of our friends, many of our best friends, we we met through there, and they met their spouses through Thrive. So it's it's uh, something that's very special to us, and continues to to bless our lives. It's, and uh, it's something that Pathway holds very dear to its heart and a key to our ministry. So. When you showed up at Thrive, so you somebody lived is on your floor, right? Mm-hmm. Invited you to go to Thrive. Um, as someone who was raised Catholic, when you showed up to Thrive, what were some of the initial thoughts when you started to realize what was happening at a worship service? Right, that was the first thing you went to. Uh, actually, no. The first thing that I went to was actually volleyball, and we just they, we played volleyball at Wilson Park with some of um, just the Thrive community, but then also just other people who either knew someone in Thrive or, you know, were just friends. <clears throat> and so it was kind of cool in that way that that was the first interaction. Cause I know, you know, growing up Catholic, Catholics are very, at least in my opinion, this might not be the holistic view of all Catholics, but in my opinion, there are many Catholics that are very, um, they defend their faith very zealously. And what I mean by that is like they they grow up and they they go to services and some really do know the scripture and they know the faith and all that kind of stuff and that's what they'll tell you is I know the faith uh, and so they're very they're very zealous over that and they they <clears throat> they believe that that's the right way um, and that they, there are a lot of people especially even me at the time. I wasn't going to be shaken just by, I wasn't going to be like, no, I'm Catholic. I'm going to, to Mass on Sunday morning. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm going to come have a fun time. But like, that's, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to roll with you guys. Right. And so that was, this very much the perception I have. I think it's the very much perception that a lot of Catholics do have. Not all of them, but especially the ones that I've been around, especially, you know, from Subiaco. So when, at what point did you start to reevaluate the faith as you put it and start to say okay maybe i need to view this differently and start making some changes well uh, just to be honest it was that same friend brought me i mean we built a really good relationship and so we'd pretty much hang out every day and all that kind of stuff and um we built a very strong friendship and so he got to the point where he's like, Dom, what, what do you believe? 
And I remember this because we were driving back from, I think we were driving back from somewhere in Fayetteville. We were coming up um, next to Yoakum and he asked me, what do you believe? And I said, well, I don't really know. <laughs> um, and it was one of those things that up until that moment, I didn't really, I never had, never had really conceptualized how much I was reliant on the ritual and not the relationship um, that I could have had and could have with Jesus. Um, and at that point, it just kind of really shook me up. And not long after that, I sat down with Jack, who's our college pastor up here at uh, the university, and he flipped his Bibles or Bible around at me and showed me Romans 3.23 and a bunch of different <laughs> Bible verses that I, he asked me like what I thought about them. And, and there was, it was pretty hard for me to deny the way that I was living was not a way that reflected a person who had claimed to put their trust in, in Christ. And I, because at the time I would have said, absolutely, I'm a Christian. All the while, partying, drinking, you know, involved with drugs and having girls over and all that kind of stuff, all with my high school friends. And, you know, it all, none of that ended well, but it was after... It was in that moment that I had realized I needed to truly, you know, turn and repent um, and step into a true relationship with Jesus. Do you remember a specific conversation? I know you just mentioned flipping the Bible around with Jack, but when you started to make those decisions, did there specific conversations along the way where after you said, okay, I need to start actually living the way uh, like I have a relationship with Christ. Were there other conversations that you had with people that that kind of just flipped on a light switch for you and just the light bulb went off? So honestly, I think the biggest thing that I have always pointed to has been, it was my sophomore year. And so I started coming around Thrive just to give you guys, the listeners, a reference. I started coming around to Thrive really um, spring semester of my freshman year. And so my sophomore year, I had moved in with four of my good high school friends, was still dating my high school girlfriend, and so were all of they, and that kind of thing. And real quickly, real fast, by October, it had gone all down the drain, all of it. Um, what year was this? My sophomore year. So, what, so that's 2017? 2017. Yeah, I was in October of 2017, and... I just had fallen out with my fallen outs with many of my high school friends, uh, and it kind of stemmed from the idea that I decided that I needed to break up with my girlfriend at the time. I had kind of come to this to the decision that like I didn't see that going uh, and making it to the end of the line, and so as a result, I decided that I didn't need to be in the relationship anymore, and so. She was really good friends with my high school friends, and she was really my, well, my best friend from high school. His girlfriend was her best friend, and so that just all kind of spiraled, and I, I kind of just lost a friend group, which was heartbreaking in a sense because those were the guys that I'd been around for the last six years, and those were what I, in many cases, thought were family and um, brothers who. I thought would stick with me through thick and thin. Um, but I remember 
the day after I decided to break up with her because I honestly for me I had put it off a lot longer than I think I should have knowing that I wasn't just going to be breaking up with her is that by I knew that by breaking up with her it was going to enact this tirade of different storms and different things with my friend group and with my high school friends and so I had known that that was coming but the day after all that happened you know it was a two-year relationship, so I did have a very strong emotional connection there anyway. It was, it, was, it was hard, but I showed up at the Thrive House the next day, and that's not something that I did ordinarily. I honestly just kind of went and came as I wanted to, like on Thursday nights at the time. But <clears throat> I was there for about five minutes, and a few of the Thrive girls come, came up and just saw me just kind of an, a wreck. and you know, didn't really even know me and just took me out. We're like, we're ditching class. We're going to go out. Um, and they just loved on me that day. And it didn't stop there. <laughs> um, it just kept going and going and going. And, and so that, that was the real first real interaction I had had with a real, in my opinion, group of believers that really were willing to go out of their way and love someone uh, fulfill that great commandment that we have to make disciples of all nations and reach people of all nations because I wasn't like them and therefore as far as they knew they knew the stuff that I was involved in they knew that that wasn't stuff that they wanted to be involved in and yet that didn't stop them from coming after me and I know you know especially given the situation that struck deep with me because I knew like at that point I needed people and they were there for me and so since then after that I just dove straight into Thrive and straight into um, the people in that community and so I started coming around Pathway more and more and now Pathway is my home church and I got baptized at Pathway. From where I'm sitting through all this right spring of 2017 the guys get to Pathway decided to do a softball team and I'm on principle against softball, adults, adult softball, let me just put it that way. And I remember asking why Mitchell wasn't playing, and the answer that I was given was like, no, 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 M Mitchell doesn't do that. <laughs> I was like, why? why what, what could he have in softball? This is one of our pastors, right? <laughs> so I think Kerry went to like one game, I was out of town, or this was before we had kids, so I think I was out of town or something, and so she did something that she knew she couldn't do if I was in town and went to one of the games. <laughs> and, uh, and she's like, yeah, we got a really, they're really good. And I think y'all went undefeated that year or something. I know y'all won the championship that year, but, uh, and she just went through the people and, this, and she's like, and this guy named Dom, who's good and who's really good. And, and so anyway, like that was my first, I think maybe I'd heard your name once before, but that was the first time. And then I, I saw you on a Sunday and Derek Shaw, who's one of our small group leaders, who's the captain of the softball team at the time, he really, from my perspective, really made a point to reach out to you because of that connection with softball. And it was a slower, probably a slower uh, evolution of getting involved in Pathway than Thrive. But to see you adopt Pathway as your church and to kind of accept us warts and all as your family your church family is really great to see and to be able to celebrate baptism with you was a very special day I think we baptized two other people that day and 
and it's something that that uh, to see what you're doing now is is really special. To to know that story, to know where you came from, and to know what you've been doing the last few weeks is really incredible. But that transition from saying, okay, like I'm I'm going to get involved. How do you go from saying, okay, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna make pathway my church family, I'm gonna get baptized, to being one of the main leaders in Thrive, to becoming an intern at Thrive and, and digital media intern at Pathway. How does how do you make that decision? Because there's a, there's quite a few students that say, okay, I'm gonna commit myself to following Jesus in college, but there's not a whole lot of students that say I'm gonna make all the sacrifices. Uh, and prioritize ministry as one of my top priorities in my life. How does that happen? The short answer is God. <laughs> All right, we're done. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> the biggest example I, I can probably point to is, and I'm actually I'm staying there now. I'm quarantining with them now. Um, have been You're Jack and Karen quarantining like Clementine. <laughs> <laughs> but Jack and Karen Cross, um, our college pastor and his wife and his family, um, it's really funny now. At the time that I started really coming around, Enoch, they have three kids, Tessa, the oldest, she's nine, and Enoch, who's six, Grayson, who just turned three. But at the time, Enoch was Grayson's age, like had just turned three. And like, I don't know, for some reason he liked hanging out with me and I just started hanging out with him at church and stuff like that. I started serving with them on Wednesday nights. But really, it was in the summers, um, even a little bit between my freshman and sophomore year. I really didn't have very many friends, and so Jack had invited me over to come over one, every once in a while. So I spent a, a decent amount of time there. I, uh, but then really sophomore summer, I think you're right. Yeah, sophomore summer, the summer after I really started coming around and being around for a full year. I pretty much live there, <laughs> and and so they really capitalized and they they loved on me and um, for me being someone I I've moved in and out of dorms every year since I left home for boarding school starting after fifth grade and so every single year after that in and out and in and out and in and out and sometimes I wouldn't even go home I'd just be couch surfing and stuff like that but so I've always been searching for a family and community and stuff like that. That's always been something that has been really important for me that I want to instill in my life. But they offered that to me and gave it to me and opened their home to me in a way that really, it's. I think it's rare. There aren't a lot of people that are willing to go that, that far for someone. Um, but being able to be around them all the time and just really being a part of their family now is just something that was, has been so impactful for me. And watching Jack prepare for, for what he does on, on our campus, it's really a mission field and how we go and try to reach people on a campus of almost 30,000 now. Um, but to see the work he puts in every week, every day, um, and see him try and balance that with his family and other things and all that kind of stuff, it was just something that I knew, hey, these guys are my family. Um, and I want to get about to these with these people on these people's team. And I remember it was a long process, but God convicted me that no, I I, I feel like no, this isn't just a I want to be your teammate. No, it's like I I feel like I want to go into this, and I feel like God is calling me to do this for for my life. <laughs> and so I remember having that conversation with Jack and being like, Hey, this is kind of where I feel like I want to want to go. Um, I. 
like, can you tell me what that's like? Um, the first thing that he told me, right, yeah, the first thing that he, he told me is like, well, you're going to have to make some financial sacrifices. And I was like, oh, oh my goodness. Okay. Um, <laughs> the first thing. <laughs> but um, really and truly, just it's been, I mean, I, I couldn't have imagined, I wouldn't have imagined that this is where I w would be when I came into college. And so when I say that the short answer is God, it absolutely is only God could have orchestrated um, this because this is my last semester. And I mean, I would have graduated, I guess I am graduating in May still, but like this was my last class semester. And, um, I'm engaged and I'm planning to get, to get married. Um, you know, my fiance, Allison, and the top of the year in 21. So like a lot of things happening. She's graduating in December right before we, we would get married. And so I, <laughs> I couldn't have drawn that up, <laughs> you know. To see how God has worked in your life convinces me of the power of God, right? And somebody, I'm someone who's grown in, grown up in church, who married someone who grew up in church, and for us, Christianity is very cultural. And this brand that we still participate in is very cultural for us. So to hear stories, we're like, no, 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 this, this just isn't because, you don't worship this God that just because your parents did and your grandparents did, this God is real and this is what he's done in my life. And your story is a huge testament to that reality that God is this powerful God who cares about us, who's working different things out in our life to lead us to the places that he wants us to go and he wants us to submit to that direction. And so for you to take the huge step of faith and submit to that direction of saying, I feel like this is what God is wanting me to do with my life. Not only is it a testament to the reality of God, but also to uh, the love of God to see that God has brought you to this point. So uh, I appreciate you sharing your story. And uh, it's, it's, it's amazing to see what has happened the last three years now, I guess. But yeah, just from a pathway perspective, I mean, we've known you, and I've not gotten to hear this story, and that I don't know, it's just very impactful for me, and um, and then also to see just how key of a individual you've been to our lives personally and um, to our church body to keep us connected, at, um, especially this last couple of weeks and going on into the future. I mean, I would just like to say thank you to all the work you've done as well, and um, we're just really excited to continue to grow with you and as a Pathway family and um, whatever is about to come. <laughs> Sorry, Carrie doesn't have a mic, so I was just telling her to speak louder and then that just, that Not just really threw her off. Not really have good things to say anyway, so... <laughs> That if you great. didn't know, Carrie's on the podcast with us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, also. <laughs> Surprise. We're, we're going to intro all this anyway. But anyway, we appreciate you, Dom. Yes. I, I appreciate you, Carrie, for being here. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> but uh, be on the lookout for um, next week's Sunday sermon coming out on the podcast as well. And uh, be on the lookout for another interview coming soon. Thank you so much for listening. See you. <laughs> we should make that the thing to just clap. <laughs>